Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Hurry and Yell podcast. This makes number 18, number two of 2018, and uh, the first one that doesn't have college football going on. It's a sad day indeed. It is. Um, college football is was kind of the lifeblood of this podcast in the fall. Uh, we love college football. We live college football. And uh, so now I'm going to spend the next eight months thinking about college football. 242 days or something until uh, the opener. It went out on a high note. Oh, man. An outstanding football game. Uh, Georgia just couldn't. They couldn't kill them. Let's talk about that championship game really quick for a couple okay. minutes. By the way, would you like to do the introductions? Uh, my name is Patrick, and that is Brian. And today we are drinking Pyramid Snow Cap. This is the first winter ale I ever had um, at a Seahawk game, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. When did they play the Rams? In the last game? Yeah. I remember 2010. that. Yep. 2010, they played the Rams. We went to Pyramid. We had this beer. We had many of these beers. So we went to the game and watched the CF win an ugly game between two bad teams and go to the playoffs. And then the next week was Beastquake. And uh, one of my great regrets is we were walking out of the stadium and you said, maybe we should buy tickets for the game. And I was like, ah. They're going to get we're killed. We're going to get killed. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and then they won. The great thing about Pyramid is it's literally across the street from CenturyLink. I mean, it is a perfect place to, if you don't want to tailgate in your at your car before a game, it is a great place to go and have a couple of drinks before a game. For Mariner games during the summer, the outdoor beer garden, there's nothing better. We go there every Mariner game. I will be at, at the Pyramid Beer Garden. And first, uh, beers outside the stadium, it is reasonably priced, I believe. $6. I drink the hardball during the summer. Well, of course. So, yeah, but it's about 6 bucks. It's not too bad. Yeah, that national championship game, first thing I want to say, that true freshman, that might be one of the best throws I have ever seen. That gets lost in it, doesn't it? It's how good that throw was. Yeah. He didn't underthrow it. He didn't overthrow it. It was perfectly in stride. It got the exact arm extension you could possibly want on it. Its mechanics aren't that good, but... I mean, you, when you when you look at a freshman quarterback, a true freshman quarterback, wide open guy to win the championship, and he doesn't think about how it. many people would overthrow. He that. just throws it. I would I would underthrow it. I would have thrown it into the bleachers. Yeah. I would have tried to put too much air under it, and it probably would have been picked off. Yeah, um, it was an incredible throw, uh, and I think that that quarterback change was what made the game because uh, Jalen Hurts, as good of an athlete as he is, he's not a good passer. And Georgia had all of that bottled up. They just had it schemed to where they weren't worried about the pass. This guy comes in. I'm not going to try to like insult him by trying to pronounce his name. Tua. I'm just going to butcher it. Tua, that's his first name. Yep. Uh, came in. They called a great second half, a lot of play action, post slants, all that good stuff. And he was slippery as all hell. Uh, but there's so many like, great players in that game. George's middle line, George's linebackers yeah. were great. Uh, Alabama's defensive line. 94 for Alabama, the defensive tackle just dominated the game. Uh, the three-headed monster at running back for Georgia. They, they weren't great. They weren't great. They are very but they're, talented. They're great players, yeah. but they, they weren't great. Alabama makes a lot of great players not seem great when they play. It's like So Auburn's front seven monsters and Georgia in the SEC title game just took their lunch from them and Alabama when they're locked and loaded like you can't move them yep. you can't run on them uh, but it was a great game I watched most of it um, aside from interruption of putting the kid to bed which is becoming a standard of night games uh, maybe by this time next year it won't be a hour long <laughs> journey that's true. That's, let's let's hope not for your sake. Um, so here is to 2017 yeah. college football and 2018. May you get here quick. But, oh, one more quick question for you. Both of the quarterbacks for those teams that started the year are probably going to transfer. 
Yes. Where do you think – so you do think Jalen Hurts is going to transfer? Yes. Do you think he's going to go to a, another Power 5 school? Any inkling on where you think he's going to go? Well, he has to sit out a year if he leaves. Right, but he still was just a true sophomore, so he still has two years um, to play after. And Saban's not going to let him go anywhere in the SEC. You know, actually, come to think of it, he might not transfer for a couple of years. He might try and beat this kid out. Uh, if he does, if he tries, more power to him. Because he really, he really handled it really well. That interview um, at the end, I didn't, I didn't like them talking to him right after the game. I can see both sides. I can see where I, I feel like the only reason why they did is because Rinaldi has spent so much time with Alabama, and he probably knew how that kid was going to react. My guess is it was his call, and he was going to. He he probably said. Even though there was adversity there for him, he's going to handle it well. I mean, if I was so, a lot of times it just seems like they grab players saying, "I want to talk to you." Mm-hmm. For the game, oh, no, there was a nice reason. if they said to him, "I don't know if they did or not." Do you want to talk, or do you want to celebrate with your team? Right, and because it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me if they said so well. Wouldn't surprise me if they said they asked him and he said yes. Uh, Nick Saban. Uh, Just cracked a smile. He got a little choked up in his post-game interview when he saw him how proud he was of them. He did not expect to win the game. He knew they weren't the better team. He knew that early on. He could tell they weren't the better team. Which and he did as he said everything but those words about the game. Which, by the way, I'm going to say I've been saying this all year long. I'm going to say it one final time. Great call with Georgia as the most underrated team. I mean, if that wasn't that game wasn't proof. I don't know what was. So great. It was all from an ESPN article I read about Kirby last spring, talking about how he was going to build the program, and I was like, "This is very specific," and how he's going to coach him up. And some guys that just say, "Oh, we got to," it's just just bullshit. It's all it is is bullshit. You can tell. I mean, obviously, yeah, he knows what he's doing. And then, uh, yeah, Jacob Eason is going to be Washington. sitting out a year and then trying to beat out Jacob Sermon to take Jake Browning's spot or, uh, in the Battle of Jakes. Jack or Neoff or something? Colson Yankoff. Colson Yankoff. From Coeur d'Alene, yeah. Uh, I, Eason is the most talented quarterback uh, to go to UW since Jake Locker. I'd say he's the best passer probably since Cody Pickett. Is that really saying much, though? No. I mean... The days of Carl Bennell and Casey Paz and Keith Price? Keith Price in 2011 gets slammed. What? Then, yeah. He, just, he was just a mental midget. Yeah. And Browning isn't great. Browning doesn't have the arm strength. No, he doesn't. But you know who does? Eason. Yeah. And that, that, that offense, when they can throw the ball downfield, is terrifying. Yeah. The thing is, can he handle it? Can he handle the, that kind of culture where they're they're pretty tough on everybody there? It's true. And I wonder how tough he is. But all right, he's a great quarterback. So that that was our college college football spiel. We didn't even say we were going to talk about it yet. We spent the first nine minutes or so talking about. Well, we it. haven't even said what we're talking about today. Well, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about college basketball, but I think the majority of this podcast is going to be on the divisional games, the the NFL playoffs. And I know for you, this is one of your favorite football weekends of the year because there's four, maybe not this year so much, but there's four games that are usually between the eight best teams in the NFL and the games are usually competitive. Now, I am very interested to see this game, this this weekend's set of games, because honestly, I could see all four games being blowouts. I don't really. I could blowouts. I, I don't think they're going to be, but I could see it. Well, um, let's uh, one thing on it. Um, historically, the best games are divisional playoff games. Championship games historically aren't great, but some of the legendary moments in NFL history is the divisional round. The crowds are freaking nuts. That's it's cool. just jacked up. You got these great you got underdogs, you got favorites, you got like how do how do the Eagles handle being the top seed and their backup quarterback in there? How is uh, Minnesota, how is uh, Case Keenum gonna handle it? 
like all of these things. I think this is the weakest uh, band of quarterbacks in the history of the divisional round. That's just, uh, you know, I won't say the history. It's a really weak class. Well, you think about it. I mean, Marcus Mariota, one playoff start. Nick Foles, one playoff start. Uh, Blake Bortles, one playoff start. Case Keenum, zero playoff starts. And they are going against four probably Hall of Famers. And Matt Ryan's not a Hall of Famer. Possible. Let me rephrase the probably to possible. Four possible Hall of Famers. And I think that that is why I could see all of the games being blowouts. And again, there's going to be something weird that's going to happen. One of the teams that should get blown out is going to stay in it and, and might win. And I'm going to tell you who I think that's going to be a little bit later. When I think you're going to be surprised with some of my picks. Well, then let's get right to it. Let's go with the uh, the first game. First game. Saturday is uh, Atlanta at Philadelphia. I think this game's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a close game. I do too. I think I think Atlanta's going to win it though. Um, I just I don't trust Nick Foles. I don't. I, I want to. I want to. If you all recall, I don't want to. I don't care to. Uh, this is this is the end of them. Um, if you recall last week, I said always be wary of NFC champions or conference champions in the playoffs because they've been through it before. They win. They help Atlanta win into LA. They've really dominated the entire game. They've got that defense playing well. Their, red, their offense in the red zone is a problem. It is a problem. It's been a promo year. It's unreasonable to think that it's not going to be a problem. They're not going to fix it. But do they need it? I think, I think 21 points wins this game. At what point do you just say, Julio, go get it? I mean, I know he's not 100% healthy, but still. I think Sark's overthinking things a little he's, bit. Wow. He's also hamstrung. He's not running his playbook. Yeah. So I hope next year he just goes, you know what, guys? I'm running my own stuff. Here in Seattle? I'd be fine with that. We'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later as well. So you think Atlanta's going to win? I think Atlanta's going to win. I think Atlanta's going to win. Uh, I think Atlanta gets up early and holds on. I can uh, definitely see that. But I'm think i, I I'm with you that I think it's going to be a closer game. I'm thinking I keep seeing 22 to 17. 22? Lots of field goals. 22 would be five field goals. Or three field goals. and or Five field goals and a touchdown. Yeah, or a safety could, and two could, field goals. You could see that from Atlanta, couldn't you? Yeah. I mean, this, you see, you, bad What's the weather supposed to be like? Oh, that's a good point. I mean, you got Philadelphia in January. Ooh, it looks warm. Is it? Uh, oh. It's Saturday? Yeah. It's an afternoon game. It's going to be at 30 degrees. Third, so it's not warm. What, uh, snowing? Just no. But they, they're, Atlanta's got to be thankful they're not playing on Sunday. We're the highest 28 and the lowest 14. Yeah. Uh, that's something to think about. I was just going to say. something to think about because you go to L.A., that's, you know, it's like playing indoors. Yeah, and Atlanta does play indoors. Yeah. That's... Philadelphia in the playoffs, though. I know. I know. At home. I know. And, and But see, the thing is, is I think the weather, honestly, is what's going to keep it close. Closer. Because I could see Atlanta just coming out steamrolling. I could see them coming out and just going for the throat. Because I know if they get up and they make Nick Foles throw the ball, game's over. Yeah, exactly. So I think the weather is going to play a big factor, but I, I Ultimately, I think Atlanta's going to win. I agree with you. All I right. agree. What is game number two? game because there's nothing like a night game in Foxborough, Massachusetts in January. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. If Tennessee keeps this game within two touchdowns, I'm going to be shocked. It's going to be warm. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus. It's a night game. I don't. Th- it's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be 26 degrees at kickoff, dropping down to the low 20s. I'm going to guess freezing rain. I don't think it, the temperature in this game matters at all. I don't think so either. 
I don't think so either. I don't think it matters one bit. I don't. I mean, I think Brian Hoyer could play in this game, and New England would prob- probably beat Tennessee. I think that this is going to be a twenty to thirty point game. Yeah, I, 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 I worry about saying games that big in the playoffs just because it's the playoffs. With New England at home in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I said two touchdowns. So I mean, yeah, this game's not going to be. Here's that what close. I think is going to happen. This is why I think it's going to be such a blowout. The Titans uh, fell behind twenty-one to three last week. Right. Which we. He almost got fired at halftime. He should he, honestly, Mike Malarkey should not be coaching that football team. Um, this is pure luck that they they are where they are right now. And this is like uh, Herm Edwards getting to the second round with the Jets that one year. We all know it's crap. Anyways, uh, they think they can come back now. They are not going to get scared. Basically, they're going to be okay falling behind early because they think they can come back. But they won't. They will not be able to come back. Kansas City is a little different animal. Yeah. New England wants to kill you. And in the playoffs, they usually do, especially at home. What Can you name a team other than the Ravens that has gone into Foxborough in the playoffs? The Jets in uh, 2008? Okay. No, so 2009. The 2009 Jets. One time. The Patriots are 14-2. and two. The Jets were 9-7. and seven. Any similarity between that Jets team and this uh, Titans team? They both run the 3-4. <laughs> so not really. They got, both had a young quarterback. Um, Dick LeBeau, who's the Titans defensive coordinator, was at Pittsburgh for years. He's the guy who drew up the zone blitz in the 80s. Um, he's never been able to stop New England. So I don't think it's going to – not with that band of mediocre players. Okay. Yeah, I completely agree. Weather doesn't matter. Playing location doesn't – if they could be playing on the moon. It's just – I'm just looking at it. And like a high of 53 and a low of 12. It's a bit of a – it's a bit of a range. <laughs> yeah. How do you dress for that? Do you, do you Under Armour. Bring like an Under Armour and then have a fleece and then a parka? <laughs> yeah. Hand warmers just in case. Usually when it's that, like usually you get like a 20 degree range on your weather in the winter. All right. So we're in agreements on the two Saturday games. First Sunday, Sunday game is Pittsburgh-Jacksonville then, isn't it? Jacksonville Pittsburgh at 10 a.m., which means I'm going to want to be able to watch it. The afternoon game, which is the one I really want to watch. Uh, uh, kid is turning two, so I'm going to be in an Enum Claw birthday party. Coaching. The seventh grader, the seventh grade Issaquah Purple team is playing uh, the Liberty Patriots on Sunday. Liberty Patriots already played them once this year. That I believe is the high school of M. Cristo Bruce Stadium Nissan. He, you know, it's funny. <laughs> M. Cristo Bruce is the assistant coach for Tahoma in my league, and actually, I've coached he against him twice. Basketball? Well. He sits on the bench and looks menacing. He doesn't. Have, he's the assistant coach, so he helps. I think you his talk, son's on the team. You talk to him at all? Yeah, occasionally. It, it, that team is is. There's no way that they're the B team. Oh, yeah. That's a huge school. Well, to, a huge okay. School I mean, to, they have like a one kid who's about six three. I think it's his son. He just gets the ball and just goes. And I don't have anyone on my team that wants to stop him. In the full court, in, at, before he gets the ball to the three point line. And it's, it was a struggle. We actually were down by about 25 and we cut it to eight. They so, ran out of gas. Yeah, that happens with seventh graders. Well, it's, I mean, it happens with everybody getting from 25 to eight. That's when you spend all your energy. Mm-hmm. You know who also went to Tahoma? Who? Kevin Coyman. Really? Yeah. Kevin, shout out. I bet you, you might actually listen to this <laughs> podcast. You got nothing else to do, Kevin. Uh, Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. I think this is going to be the, this could be uh, a very close game, or it could not. This was my my pick for the closest game of the weekend. Jacksonville's beaten Pittsburgh this year, and that was in Pittsburgh too, wasn't it? I think so. I think it was. Uh, Jacksonville. I'm gonna pull up Pittsburgh's weather. I mean, stadiums are a lake too. 
uh, or river. Don't river. trust your field goal kicker on that wa- on the water. That's well documented that 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 is not an easy place to kick, which I think hinders Jacksonville because that means they got to rely even more on Blake Bortles. Uh, on Sunday, it's a high of seventeen. Yeah, and a low of one. Yeah, I I, I don't like Jacksonville's chances in this game. I love their defense. Love their defense. I think, I think if Eli Manning was the quarterback at Jacksonville, they would be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to say this about Jacksonville's defense. I don't think they are as good as everyone thinks they are, and I think that's going to be exposed. Uh, you look at who they've played and how they've played. Uh, they dominate bad quarterbacks. They're like the 2007 Seahawks, who were like historically really good because they played Alex Smith. And uh, when he was a rookie, you know, that's 2005. Okay. Um, oh, who was that guy? Matt Moore. They played against Matt Moore that year. Uh, There's a bunch of crap, garbage. Uh, Andrew Walter, like that. Jacksonville is really talented. They're really good, but Pittsburgh's going to drop 30 on them, I think. Logic tells me it's a close game. It's like 13 to 10, which I'd love. I love low-scoring playoff football. I love it. I love it. I love it. Pittsburgh 30, Jacksonville 14. Take it on a cautionary tale to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that inspired confidence. Um, I think the game's going to be closer than that. Yep. But I think Pittsburgh's going to win. I think Pittsburgh's going to win something like 20 to 14, 20 to, thir- 20 to 13. I think that if it's close, it's going to end on a Blake Bortles interception. He's going to make a hilariously bad throw over the middle, and a linebacker's going to pick it up. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, TJ Watt. <laughs> something like that. I can't believe TJ Watt is playing in the NFL and he's good at it. Really? He doesn't look like an NFL player. That's true. But he's got his brother's motor. Sometimes that's all you yeah, need. Yeah, but he's not built like his brother. It, no one in, a, in the world is built like J.J. Watt. It's <laughs> just a beast. You want to watch how he like, – so, brief, brief tangent. Um, everybody talks about talent with great NFL players. Great players anyway. LeBron, Kobe, whatever. You can jump. You can run. Um, you're quick. Whatever, but if you really break down why somebody's great, it's the skills. The way J.J. Watt uses his hands to rush the passer and get off blocks uh, is amazing. It's incredible. So if you're a young kid who wants to watch, and it's about playing high school football, you want to say like the best to do it, just watch him use his hands for leverage and the moves he has. He's got tons of moves. You're right. It's definitely more than just athleticism. It's technique. It's form. I mean, more for basketball than football. I mean, Kobe, Kobe, it didn't matter what Kobe Bryant was, where he was going, where he was fading. He was always squared to the basket and his form was always the same. That's what you have to do. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter really what your lower body, where your feet are going. Yeah. As long as your body is squared to the basket in basketball and your your form stays true, you got a chance every time. And you want to watch a great defensive line, watch Alabama and how they use their hands. It's all about pad level and, ha- and your hands. And I mean, your feet are important too, but balance, pad level, get your hands in there. You control them if you got your hands in the right spot. So I think that uh, we both think Pittsburgh's going to win. Yep. And then um, the afternoon game is New Orleans and Minnesota, which I think the uh, my pick for this game is going to go to the Super Bowl and it's going to win the Super Bowl. By all means, go ahead. Or do you want me to say mine first? Do you want to keep go, the suspense? You, you go ahead. Um, Case Keenum is a nice story. <laughs> You know, the all-time passing leader. <laughs> this is this is one of those things where 
Uh, don't listen to what anybody says before the word but. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Case Keenum's a nice story. Uh, all-time passing leader in NCAA history, undrafted. You know, he did some good things when he was in Houston. Really good guy, too. Did some good things when he was with the Rams. Um, okay. But never okay. really got a real shot. And now, I somehow, he's getting a real shot with a team that is very talented. That Minnesota defense is absurd. But, front Jesus. but there's the but still I'm a, I'm the type of player person give me someone who's been there before give me someone who has the experience Case Keenum hasn't started a playoff game Drew Brees has won a Super Bowl he's been to several playoff games Give me, give me Breeze and the Saints in a in a close game, but I think the Saints are going to win it, and then I also think the Saints are going to beat the Falcons and go to the Super Bowl. But that is a that was my that's my pick. Do you agree, are you in agreement? You stole my thunder there a little bit. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, I thought you were going to go more conventional. Uh, it, I mean, a cautionary thing is picking too many road teams in the playoffs. Uh, but, yes, all of what Saints you said about one. Case Keenum. I have Atlanta winning, too. Oh, yeah, Atlanta, I guess. Um, so, Case Keenum, great story. Good guy. We're playing footsie under the table <laughs> by accident. <laughs> um, he just lost his train of thought. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to get to the fucking cross beam here and put my foot on it. Um, New Orleans is a really good team. I've been high on their defense, even though they started this season slowly. Uh, I Our first NFL podcast, I was talking about how I liked how their defense is looking. Uh, they've really gotten their running game shaped up once they got rid of Adrian Peterson. And you got Drew Brees. Uh, quarterbacks win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And quarterbacks you know, a defense and Minnesota has a great defense, but they're just a snake bitten franchise. And the Super Bowl is in Minnesota and the NFL does not want the Vikings there because it's a logistical headache. And if that's not in the back of the head of the officials, I'd be surprised. I think the reason why they wouldn't want the, the why the NFL wouldn't want the Vikings there is because the, the Super Bowl is such a global event. People come in from all over. There would be too many Vikings fans there, and it would take away from what the NFL wants, which is a bipartisan Super Bowl. Well, there's a couple reasons. A, they'd make less money because yep. Viking fans don't need hotels. hotels. Or, yeah. Second of all, uh, it's – there's supposed to be an equity between how the team that like the environments the teams are in. So if the Vikings have their own facilities, the NFL has to find equal facilities to the Vikings somewhere in Minnesota for the whoever else is in the game. Um, there's it's never happened. I don't think it's gonna. The closest it happened was uh, the Rams playing the Rose Bowl in '79. And then the uh, 49ers in 83 playing Stanford uh, at Stanford Stadium. I think those are the closest they've come. I mean, the Raiders played in the Rose Bowl. I think they played in the Rose Bowl in 76, too. I mean, you. I'm not as big of a football historian as you, I'll be honest. So I do not know the answer to that. The Willie Brown interception. Who does his name? Old Man Willie. Going down the sideline, number 24, the NFL Films thing. He's running because everything in NFL Films is slow motion. And you hear the Raiders announcer, who is still announcing their games. The touchdown Raiders. By the way, let it be known, people that are listening, he was born in 85. And he's talking about a Super Bowl from 76. This is what he does. So while I'm on that, let me tell you why. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that... Kids these days, and this isn't a knock on kids <laughs> at all. Get off his lawn. It is not gentlemen. a knock on kids. It's the medium. 
I had basic cable. I, I got cable when I was like seven. But I had a VCR and I had NFL films and I had videotapes. Lots and lots of NFL films videos that I'd watch over and over and over again. You think some kid with YouTube and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and HBO and 600 channels and video games and apps on his phone is going to sit down and watch NFL films? So it's oversaturation? It's just like, why would, why would you do that? I mean, so I don't even expect kids to go, let me look at what happened when the Vikings lost their fourth Super Bowl in the 70s to the Raiders, 32-14. Um, <laughs> I'm 90% sure it's in the Rose Bowl. Like, no one, no one goes back and looks at that anymore, because why would you? The 90s is old now. And what do you have, like, I don't know. People don't buy DVDs. They don't buy. They don't buy videotapes. So all of that stuff. As a kid, where would you even see it? Okay. So first of all, Super Bowl eleven, Oakland Raiders thirty-two, Minnesota fourteen, <laughs> in the Rose Bowl. Do you know who the MVP was of that game? Well, it was an old man, Willie, was it? There's a college football award named after him. Ted Hendricks. Nope. Fred Bolitnikoff. Fred Bolitnikoff. I should have known. Yep. Mr. Stickham himself. Yep. Mr. Stickham himself. Those old cheating Raiders. <sighs> for, and he had four catches for 79 yards. The one of them was a long touchdown. You know who I can't remember who was the starting quarterback for the Raiders in that game? Was it Pastoroni or was it Plunkett? I think it was Pastoroni. It wasn't Pastoroni. It wasn't. It was the other guy, LaMonica. Nope. Really? It was the quarterback that won. It was a left-handed quarterback. Stabler. God. Ken Stabler. I thought Pastoroni played for the Oilers. LaMonica broke his leg. And... uh, Stabler came in. Keep going. I had a book. I had many books. Do you know what those are, kids? Okay. <laughs> so now he's getting off his soapbox. So we were in agreement on, on my soapbox. We were in agreement on all four games. You know what that means? It means we're going to be totally, wrong. We're totally wrong. Yep. So that is our. Uh, <laughs> divisional playoff uh, predictions. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the championship games between the Vikings, Eagles, and the. It's still going to be Steelers, Patriots. You know, for the first time in, I would say, 12 years, I'd root for the Steelers in that game. I would, I would as well. All right. So. There's another bit of news that's been swirling around here in Seattle, and that is the firing of at least two, if not four, coaches uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. Missed the playoffs for the first time in six years, and the hammer gets thrown down. Um, I know you have something to say about this, so I'm going to give you the floor. Do you have anything to say about it? Before I get going, I'm one of the few people that would have been okay with Daryl Bevel staying. I wow. understand. I understand why they did it uh, with them them needing a change and it feeling stagnant. But I feel like a lot of this wasn't on Daryl Bevel, and I feel like if they don't call that play in the Super Bowl two years ago, most people in Seattle wouldn't even know who Daryl Bevel is. Um, what about Cable? That one, that one, honestly, and I know you're, we're flip flopped on this. That one makes more sense to me, just because there were so many misses where he thought he could turn players into people that they couldn't be. Like there were at least three defensive players that he tried to switch to offensive linemen, and only one of them stuck, and that was Sweezy. Who were the other two? Oh God, I don't remember. I only remember one. 
I'll, I'll look it up. Um, I know there was another one from North Carolina State, um, but I will, I'll look that up while you say, say your part. So, um, like any catastrophic failure, there's a lot of sin to go around. Um, like, you know, when the Challenger exploded, it wasn't just the O-rings. It was the people that, <laughs> that gave the go-ahead, the people that tested it, all of that crap. crap. Anyways, uh, for a lot of teams in the NFL, like the Bills, 9-7 and seven is a reason to celebrate. And don't I don't begrudge them at all. That's a long-suffering fan base. But for the Seahawks, when you're as talented as they are, that means something is drastically wrong. Uh, first, with Tom Cable, you look at his offensive line in 2013. Russell O'Kung. First-round pick. James Carpenter. First-round pick. Max Unger. Second-round pick. J.R. Sweezy. Seventh-round pick. Breno Giacomini. Uh, All those guys came up for a renewal of a contract, and all of them, except for Max Unger, who was traded, uh, were lowballed and signed for more money elsewhere. These are all guys that Tom Cable developed, and all guys that left in the span of two years, which meant, of course that Cable had to start completely over as an offensive line coach with a bunch of freaking bums. Um, The left tackle is a college basketball player. Your left guard uh, was a drafting mistake. Your center is a good player. Your right guard is a turnstile. And your right tackle, a first-round pick, is a Hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, sixth-round pick, Christian Sokoli from Buffalo was a defensive lineman. Yes, that's tried. the one I was thinking Okay, about. I'm pretty you sure there, there was, was one more. Others. I'm pretty sure there was one more, so I'm, I'm still hunted. So. so with Tom Cable, he's taken all of that crap, and I think that uh, fielded a decent offensive line um, – Last year, toward the end of the year, even though Wilson was crippled, they were doing okay. This year, a lot of the fault lied in their running game on their running backs who couldn't hit a freaking hole to save their life. Uh, They had Chris Carson. He was great. He got hurt. Uh, Thomas Rawls, I don't know what his problem is. All the other bums, I I mean, they're just bad. They're not good. Uh, Procise, he gets hurt getting out of the shower. Like, it's just... It's it's a like a uh, dim sum of like shittery, just this giant collection of bad things happening to create this terrible thing. And then, Brian, I'm going to ask you this: If you are calling plays and your offensive line sucks, what kind of passing plays are you going to call? Short, quick. Okay. All right. Short and quick. When was the last time you saw the Seahawks call a play that was short and quick? Mm, I don't remember. And this is where, this is one of my problems with Daryl Bevel. I'm just getting, I'm pecking around this. Um, so, your offensive line is struggling. You got a lot of young guys, a lot of guys keep getting hurt. Uh, you've had rule changes that make it less effective. And so, what do you do? You call. Long developing deep drop play action plays with long routes that take forever to get open. Yes. That has made the offensive line look far worse than they really are because the there's a disconnect between the play caller and what the strengths of his team are, apparently. With Bevel, so I cable. I'm not a zone blocking fan, especially now with the rule change. I'm a I'm a power gap blocking kind of guy, and I wanted him to change anyway. But I don't think he did a bad job at all. I think he did as a pretty damn good job with the crap he was given. They gave him draft picks. They didn't give him any money. Like they they didn't spend any money on people until the last two years. That's five years into this mess. 
So that's my feelings on that with Bevel. I think the problem is that Russell Wilson has stalled in his development and somebody needs to kick him in the ass because I think he's gotten fucking lazy. He doesn't know how to read coverages. He cannot read his own coverage. He can't read zone coverage unless it's a base cover two zone. Everything, every single motion, every check they put in is for cover one or cover zero man. It's all man. He doesn't know how to read zone. That's been the way it's always been. And his, his coach does not demand that he develops as a player. You think he's first guy in the office anymore? No. You wake up next to Sierra. Do you think you're getting up early? Hell no. No. I found him, by the way. The other one was Jared Smith. In the 2013 oh, yeah. draft, yeah, okay. All right. from and not only was he a defensive lineman, he was a defensive lineman from New Hampshire. Yep, I remember him. Yep. So that uh, so there were I was right. That one didn't work. No. So they're one for three on that. I mean, that's not the only. I mean, to me, Tom Cable. Rested on his laurels a little bit too much in terms of what people were saying about him, and they thought he could turn chicken shit into chicken salad. You don't think the front office expected that of him? They said they expected that of him. They said that they gave him less resources because they knew he could coach him up. That's fine, but do you think that he signed off on these guys that they drafted that were defensive linemen that he said he could move to the offensive line? And So you're Tom Cable. Uh, everybody's running the spread. You have to break down and reteach every aspect of the offensive line to a guy entering the pros. This this a bad offensive line is not exclusive to the Seahawks. Did you watch the Bills? Oh no no, no. So, I understand that the Giants. So he's looking at what are the athletes I need. So the scouts go and they find him athletes that are used to playing in the trenches. They fit the type. Do they hit all the time? No. He got George Fant who played one year of football his entire life as tight end at a small school Western Kentucky in one year to be a starting decent left tackle on a playoff team. So whenever somebody talks about cable not developing, think about how he turned a basketball player, a fucking basketball player. Who doesn't even know who the great players in the NFL are because he's not a fan of football. He just is chasing the money and turned him into a, a solid player in one year. You think he's going to be the right tackle next year? I think I'd let him sit here and learn from Dwayne Brown. He's not built like a right tackle. Fetty is not as bad as he looks. He's just really stupid. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, in sum, you had to make a change. Your offense is getting stale. Your your quarterback's getting lazy, and and they're being too easy on him. And you have to adapt your offensive line. Uh, defensively, they're probably getting rid of the defensive coordinator. Completely understand it. You need somebody who's more experienced. Quarterback coach. I don't know what he's doing in meetings because somehow. A quarterback's mechanics have gotten worse the longer he spent in the NFL. I mean, you look at Tom Brady's throwing motion in 2001 versus now. It's light, it's night and day. Aaron Rodgers, same thing. You're supposed to get better when you get in the NFL. The quarterback coach is supposed to get you into fundamentals and the mechanics. Russell's throwing motion is it's longer, long, isn't it? Sweeping, drawn out. The ball drops when he starts to. Uh, I mean, you guys can't see what the hell I'm doing here. But pulling the ball back to throw it, when it when you drop it to your waist, that's bad mechanics. That's a half second that the ball is getting there late. And that matters. It doesn't matter in college, which led Tim Tebow was so good. You know, so he could go into his pitcher's windup before he threw a pass. But in the NFL, it matters. So all of it's necessary. I hope they make good hires. But regardless, I'll be here watching. Yep, go Hawks. I'm right there with you. So we uh, have a few minutes left uh, before this podcast is over. 
I'm going to leave it up to you on what you want to talk about. Now, we're thinking of starting a new segment here in the Hurry and Yell podcast, which is literally just a random topic. So what I do is I just I go to a website called conversationstarters.com, click generate another random topic. First question that we get is what we're going to talk about. And it is, what kind of old person do you want to grow up to become? Do you want to do that? I'll start. I want to be, first of all, I want to live to be old. Let's start there. Um, I want to be comfortable. I want someone that... You want, I want I want a comfortable life. I mean, I'm saying the generic stuff first. Well, I think about what I what I actually want. Well, you're thinking I'll do this. Um, I don't want to be in a freaking home. Oh no, definitely not. I mean, when I when I need to go, I'll go. I'll be fine with that. You know, have somebody cook my meals. Hell yeah, that'll be fine. I can deal with that. But I don't want to be one of those guys that he just can't move when he's like 78. My gr- my grandfather was skiing in his 80s. I want to be like your dad. Well, he's got a broken neck right now. So. Not like, I want to be like your dad two months ago. <laughs> About to break his neck. Yeah, he broke uh, his neck skiing on a, a black diamond. He's only 60. It wasn't a black diamond. Don't let him tell you differently. Um, <laughs> so he's 65, though. So when you say old person, you think like an old codger, or do you think a guy who just recently retired? Well, what's your definition of old? I guess we should have started there. I'd say seventy. Once you hit seventy, seventy is old. Yeah, you're retired. I mean, um, I, I want to be honestly, and I know my dad is not seventy years old. He is sixty-five, but I want to be doing at seventy what my dad has been doing for the last thirty-five years, and that is every night sitting out on the deck. Drinking either wine or beer. Let's be honest. It's wine and orange juice. Sometimes. Sometimes it's kokanee. I don't know which one is worse. Um, sitting out on the deck, just looking over his his property and just, as he likes to say, watching the crops grow. But basically it's just him getting drunk, listening to a Mariner game, and just enjoying his spoils. And that's what I want. That's that that would be that's, with that. that would be heaven to me. It's just sitting out on the deck, you know. If my, if I have a son, or if I have a grandson, or if I have a granddaughter, daughter, or whatever, kids or but grandkids. Just the day to day, you want to sit on your deck. Yeah. You want to drink a beer or a glass of wine with you, maybe a bottle. Um, Probably. <laughs> But it was probably for my dad, too. That's true. Listen to the Mariners game. Yeah. You know, just watch the sun go down. Yep. My dad has always had an old soul. And now his body is catching up to his soul. Let's be honest here. There's a part of your dad that's an 18-year-old boy. That's true. (laughs) That's true. But but not in what he does on a day-to-day basis. That's true. It's it's if we ever get him in Pullman, he turns into an 18-year-old boy. That's kind of weird. It happens to everybody. Uh, Well, Um, this is true. Oh, by the way, speaking of Pullman, which game are we going to this year? San Jose State. What what, what day is that? I don't know. I don't have the schedule up. reason why is because one of my friends is getting married September 15th. So his name is Brock. Before you say anything, because I know what you're thinking about that name. He was the guy who's played Hoopfest with me the last couple years. He's one of the nicest guys I have ever met. Like, literally, uh, Marissa met him and said, he looks, he, he reminds her of Jason Siegel from How I Met Your Mother. Not well, a bad thing I mean, to say about it. She, she hasn't met me yet, so. It's true. You know, when you talk about nice guys. Um, <laughs> but Brock is not playing Hoopfest with me this year because he's going to be in Africa. Oh, because, all right, well, me and Joe are playing. Um, I guess okay. I'm pulling up the schedule so you can make me can reschedule my hotel. Hey, at least I'm telling you now. No, it's September eighth. September eighth, we're going. I will be there. All right. Okay. 
I'm glad we walked, got that worked out. Yes. Unless me you, too. I mean, it, I wasn't going to have us go see Eastern again. That's probably one I, I'd go with Marissa. She wants to go to a game. But that's on the 15th. That's oh, well, then never mind. Yeah. I thought you were, I thought that game was on first. No, they're at Wyoming, San Jose State at home, which is what we're seeing. The Spartans. Even though you think that, that they've got good good uh, tailgaters, like uh, Montana State did. No. Like the, those those guys, underrated. See, the great – here we go about college football again. Great thing about college football is the mixing of fans and the tailgating. And Montana State, those people that show up, they don't. They know they're not going to win. They know they're not going to win. Does that prevent them from probably making pounds and pounds of restaurant quality barbecue and giving it to anyone who walks by? But still talking yeah. a little bit of shit while you're giving them the food. They weren't talking. No, about shit. it was good natured ribbing. It was talking about how the last time WSU and Montana State played, where WSU needed an interception right at the end of the game to win. By the way, completely justified that they were giving us a hard time, in my opinion. Oh, either way, it was awesome. It was that, was that brisket. Oh. Pulled pork and brisket and the chicken. I mean, that sets the bar. People in Montana know how to cook. I mean, that was – so, I, I, unfortunately, Wyoming is um, a road game this time because I bet those people know how to man a grill. Probably. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, we will be uh, for anyone who wants to see us September eighth in Pullman. <laughs> oh, we're gonna. I, I'm, I've got. I've got designs on how we're gonna do that for this podcast. Nice. We're gonna be drunk, but it's gonna oh, be awesome. There you go. And uh, we have a. I'll have a poster to give away. A poster. What yeah the 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 uh, the poster that's in my office. The Goku sign. Oh yeah. Okay. So a little bit of background on that. Uh, well, I, I go ahead, but I didn't get to my, uh, what am I like as an old man. You can do that okay. first. So even some may say that I am already an old man. I'm one of those people, by the way. <laughs> I, I prefer to be active, you know, but a leisurely life, you know, like uh, a mix between my two grandfathers. Maybe at night I stay up and watch, well, granted, for my grandfather, it was Johnny Carson and Jay Leno. Hopefully for me, they'll have replaced Jimmy Fallon by the time I get old, even though he's not that much older than me. You know, watch The Tonight Show. You stay up just because. Have bacon and eggs because, hey, I've lived this long. What's an extra few grams of cholesterol? You know? So basically, you want to be a mix of your two grandparents, and I want to be my father. Yeah, without the square dancing. I don't think I'll ever get into square dancing. My grandfather was super into square dancing. You're not going to get into square dancing, but I got a, I got a feeling you're going to get into a, a old person hobby. Fishing. There you go. I bet you I'll get into fishing. I bet as soon as my kid gets old. I bet you this summer we're getting into fishing, by the way. Yeah. Father-in-law likes it. Well, and we uh, and my father-in-law loves you. We gotta, we gotta get go fishing with him sometime. But we should probably go by ourselves one time, one time or two, to make sure we know what the hell we're doing. Are you sure you have no fucking clue? Yeah, we'll figure it out. I have a pole though. We're resourceful. I don't, but you, big five sports, yeah. big five sports. You can get one for cheap. Yeah, but you know, like I'd like to be a mix of the two. Live into my nineties. Yeah, go relatively peacefully. I mean, you, nobody. Basically, I want to outlive everybody. I want to outlive everybody. I don't want to be that, that guy that dies young. Challenge accepted. Of them, I, I, I'll. I just I, I've got a, I've got a thing about dying. Yeah, it I really think it really stresses me out. I think everyone does. I said well, last two years. I was going to say for you, it was probably once Mallory became pregnant. That's probably it, when it's it exactly yeah. So I haven't I haven't had that feeling of mortality yet. But it's coming. It is. You're, you're still a young man. This is true. And then it's slowly coming apart. You're in your 30s. All right. Well, that was our random question. I think that this is going to be a, uh, something that we have every week. 
I towards, certainly hope so. Towards the end. And once we get our third member of the podcast, if and when he decides to come, his answers for these random questions are probably going to be absolutely be hilarious. next week, actually. Nice. Uh, we're, we'll try to dial him in. All right. Well, um, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Do you have anything to say about basketball? Um, not really. Uh, the top 10 two weeks in a row has seen a huge upheaval, and that is because there is no truly dominant team, which is going to make for a fun NCAA tournament. It's going to lead to a lot of upsets. It's going to lead to a lot of brackets being busted. And you have teams like in the top 10 so far this year, Arizona State's been in the top 10. Texas Tech has been in the top 10. TCU has been in the top 10. Wichita State's been in the top 10. These teams are not usually that highly ranked. Oklahoma has been in the top 10. I mean, this is going to be an interesting year where it could be a team that's not a blue blood that, you know, makes some noise and potentially wins a national championship. When was the last time that happened? Not a blue blood won the national championship. Florida in 2006. That's a blue blood. That's an SEC team. Okay, well, it's North Carolina last year. Uh, God. UNLV in 1990? Arkansas in 94? Yeah, I think I'd go with Arkansas there. Yeah. Yep. Florida was good for a long time That's before true. they won. Arkansas was good for a couple of years, but yeah, Arkansas or UNLV. Yeah, because you got Florida in there a couple times. You got Duke in there a lot. North Carolina in there a lot. Arizona. UConn in there a lot. Utah went to a title game. Can yeah. you believe that? But Butler went back. to Butler went to two. Yeah. Back to back. It's true. I mean, would you consider Villanova a blue blood? No. no not, not not when they won it. Two years no, ago? No, not when they won it the first time in the eighties. Okay. But if you if you've been to the lead eight in the final four before you win a title, you and you're consistently in the tournament, then you're you're kind of up there. And Villanova was up there for a long is, time. Is Gonzaga a blue blood then? For you, would it? I mean, you guys, I think you feel like you got to be in a big conference. There is, if if there's any way that a small conference team. Can be a blue blood. Gonzaga is it. They're an elite program in college basketball. I mean, they made the last two years. them shitting themselves most of the years in the tournament. We will talk about that at some point, about how Arch, yeah. their record in the NCAA tournament. You know what I'm going to have you do one of these times? Is I'm going to pull up all of their tournament losses, and you're going to have to rank them and how much they suck. Do and you know what number one was for me? Personally, it was not UCLA in 2006. I don't believe that one bit. Arizona, double overtime. I don't, I don't believe that, but that's the worst one. Because as long as I've known you, you've talked about that game reverentially. Like, that was such a great game. It was a great game, but I'm talking the loss I've that- never, ever seen anyone writhe on the ground like a dying animal screaming at the end of a sporting event. Actually, as you were in the UCLA game. No, I take that back. The worst Gonzaga loss was last year. I can accept that. Oh, man. Was it – so was it because – I know we're running out of time, but was it because they lost a championship game? Because it wasn't like how they lost. They just ran out of gas. It was a little bit of both. It was because even though I think they would have still lost if Nigel Williams-Goss was healthy – him turning his ankle and, and his officiating wasn't so terrible. Him turning his ankle and having nothing left on that runner where he got blocked. Oh yeah. Just killed me. But I love the one shining moment videos. Every year. Every every few months I watch all <laughs> I of the one shining. I've watched one of those in twenty years. <laughs> every every few months I watch them all and it just makes me happy because usually they show Gonzaga as you know yeah. an upstart. Yeah. So but I watched it this year, and it had Nigel Williams-Goss crouching under the basket with North Carolina celebrating. And I will freely admit that was the only time I shed a tear in 2017. Understandably. 
Sports does that. So that, I think, is the hardest loss for me. It's because they were so close. And it's because I don't think they're going to be back there anytime soon. I really don't. I love Gonzaga, and I love that team. And I think they can make some noise every year. But that was just a perfect storm for them, and I don't think it's going to happen again. For a solid decade, I said they needed a point guard. They got themselves a point guard, and they almost won the championship. It'll probably be another decade before they find themselves another point guard. Another transfer from UW. Come on in. Well, they're turning around pretty fast, but we'll get we'll get into the March Madness when it comes because I think that'll be a mega two part podcast when we get to it. It's going to be a lot of fun when we unveil the brackets. We might have our first YouTube video be. Uh, a whiteboard <laughs> full of with a with the bracket on there and us making our picks. Maybe we might have to do that. Um, all right, everyone, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we will see you guys next week, and uh, welcome to college basketball season and the NFL playoffs. Bye.